0: Continuing our study of Luke, I'm excited about this, and, uh, you know, Holy Spirit is having His way with us this morning, and in terms of time, we are where we are, and so we're going to jump right in here, and I want to, we're going to hit Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 44, and we're going to do it in quick work. You guys ready? All right, here we go, North Shore. We left off last week with chapter 3. If we're on chapter 4, we're obviously left off on chapter 3. And, uh, but Holy Spirit is using John the Baptist to plow the ground of people's hearts. John plowed with God's Word to bring conviction of sin and repentance. John defined repentance as a humble heart that results in not just baptism in water, but baptism in the Holy Spirit. The one who gives us the power to live changed lives, proving that we are truly repentant. There actually is fruit that he's going to bring forth in our lives to prove that we belong to him. And so we cannot, we're, we're, we're told not to judge people's hearts in terms of you know, where, where they're really at, and, but we, had, we are supposed to be good fruit inspectors. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. So we're able to look at people's, the, the genuineness and that repentance resonates when we touch it in their life by faith. This would be made possible through Jesus, the one who, Holy Spirit and God the Father, they came down. John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus, and all of a sudden we have the Trinity come on the scene. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says to them, he, he sa- or Father God speaks to Jesus and he says, "You're my beloved son." I am fully pleased with you. In Jesus, this is every Christian's starting point. Up to this point, what had Jesus done? Zero. No miracles, no demons cast out, no crazy cool stuff that we call signs and wonders and all that. Jesus was an obedient and faithful Son to His earthly parents. And he was growing in stature. He was growing in influence and impact and favor with God and with man just by being faithful and obedient to his parents. A carpenter's son. Faithful to the family business. Probably helped his dad often. Working with him. Wow. If you can hear in that what it looks like to you're my beloved son and I'm fully pleased with you had nothing to do with anything that He had done. It had everything to do with who He was to father. And that's who we are to father God as well. It's our starting point. In spite of what we've done in the past, when we're born again, when we're saved, we get a fresh start, a clean slate with God. It's beautiful. So, it is from this identity, knowing who He is and whose He is, that he enters the field of battle with Satan in chapter 4. Knowing who he is and whose he is. And he is going to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to lead him into the wilderness. And we all kind of choke at that point and go, what in the world? The Holy Spirit's leading him out there? Yes. Holy Spirit led him out there. He's fasting. He doesn't eat anything for 40 days. Some say he didn't drink anything for 40 days. How is this possible? Well, because he had a special empowerment by uh, by God to do so. Holy Spirit was right there with him, but he leads him into into the wilderness, and then after forty days of not eating anything, he is tempted by the devil. The devil comes on the scene. He figures Jesus is in a very vulnerable place. Now we might think that the, that the devil is you know omniscient or you know omnipresent or any of those things he, he's not he doesn't have all power he doesn't see he's one personality he can't be everywhere at one time but he is a student of prophecy he is a student of the bible he knows it backwards and forwards but he likes to misquote it he likes to misinterpret it he likes to lead people astray he likes to give them portions that's why we say you never read just a Never read just a verse. You always read at least a paragraph. Hopefully the chapter so you can get the context and figure it out. You can't just pick and choose whatever you want to make it sound like what you want it to sound like. You know? Husbands, we like to use this one. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. We fail to quote the part of husbands laying down their lives for their wives, which actually gives them reason to submit. Or at least a heart or a desire to to submit. And we get off on all that and breaking down what that means, but we won't go there today. (laughs) But we can't pick and choose. So, different early church fathers, they talk about how Satan didn't actually, he wasn't sure if, he wouldn't have known necessarily if this actually was the Son of God. There hadn't, just until chapter 3, there hadn't been a declaration that you are my son. I love it. I was at, we were having family Bible study together. And uh, I said, uh, so kids, looking at chapter 3, verse 22, how do you know that it was Father God who said, this is my son? And I was going after, well, you know it because he identified him as his son. And Jaron pipes up right away, first one to speak, and he goes, well, because his voice was so low. (laughs) That's how you know it was the Father, because he had a low voice. I said, Jaron, that's perfect, man. You make Bible study fun. So Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. He's going into hand-to-hand combat as a human filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Satan's trying to figure out, is this actually the guy? Why the wilderness? 1 Corinthians 15.45 describes Jesus as the last Adam. Adam is the first man ever created. Jesus is going to go back to the ancient battlefield where the first Adam was defeated in combat by Satan. Satan. Adam was placed in the garden of paradise. And he's cast out into the wilderness as a result of falling to temptation. The last Adam, Jesus, is going to return to the wilderness where He would face the battle of every human temptation. Everything that we're going to face. And He's going to emerge from the wilderness and He's going to go about having the ability to prepare us to be restored to paradise. Remember when He's on the cross, what does He say to the thief? Today, you're going to be with Me in paradise. The first one, a criminal with a horrible history and past, and it was about to be erased. He was about to be restored to paradise. Adam brought death to all of us. Adam brought death to all of us through a tree. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In their disobedience, they brought death to all of us. The last Adam brought life through the cross. Where Adam failed when it came to temptation, Jesus would conquer. He would conquer those same temptations. If Jesus had not been led by Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fight the devil, Jesus would not have conquered Him for us. Just as Jesus overcame every temptation so that we could have freedom. The same thing goes for us. We have battles that we must fight. That we must fight. Cassie is pregnant. It's so wonderful. They've got this new baby. And there are, um, you have decisions and choices that you're making right now, battles that you're going to fight. Things that you're going to have to do in order to be able to allow future generations to win. Some temptations in previous generations have become strongholds in current generations. They have to be broken. Anger. Bitterness. Pride. Pleasure. Temptation is similar, I was thinking about this, it's, it's like a mousetrap. Temptations are presented to us as they were to Jesus, seeking to trap us in whatever we can be seduced by. What can we be seduced by? Can, what's your poison? Money, food, sex, fame, power, relationships, security, comfort, accomplishment, praise, the high, the buzz. Escape, fear, doubt. What are those temptations? The idea is to tempt us with whatever will make us put our heart, our soul, and our body in the trap. And then we're snared. Sin obviously leads to death. How does the mouse get trapped? He's so focused on feeding his lustful appetite that he doesn't even notice the snare. Doesn't even see it there. Doesn't, doesn't pay any attention. If you've seen a mouse nibbling around a trap before, he doesn't even know it's there. He just He's attracted by what he smells and by what he hears, by what he sees. Our enemy has been crafting temptation for thousands of years. The enemy's not going to bait us with some rotten, nasty piece of cheese. I mean, it's going to be like, what's your favorite cheese? Monterey Jack. It's going to be the fresh. It's going to be the most beautiful. What is that thing that can lure us? Right now, we're all thinking about those things. Proverbs chapter 5, chapter 7. Here you have Father, Father God. Obviously, it's being spoken through Solomon to his son. But he's speaking about certain temptations. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will learn to be discreet and will store up knowledge. The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but the result is as bitter as poison sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she does not care about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail and does not even realize where it leads. Listen to me, my son. Never stray from what I'm about to say to you. Run from her. Don't go near to the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and hand over, and hand over to merciless people everything you have achieved in life. Think about Samson, what he gave up, what he sacrificed. An evil man is held captive by his own sins, their ropes that catch and hold him. And he will die for a lack of self control, he will be lost because of his incredible folly. Chapter 7. So she seduced him with her pretty speech. With her flattery, she enticed him. He followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Little know, it would cost him his life. Some of you know I, I hunt. I'm a hunter from time to time. And a few years ago, went bear hunting. I was out with a couple friends and we spotted this bear at the end of this long swath of, of cutouts. And this bear was looking. You could tell even from that far distance that he was looking for something. He was foraging for food. We found out later that he had a bad tooth and because uh, we got up close and personal with him. But uh, he had a bad tooth and it was what happened was is he had some sort of tooth decay, so he was hurt he was, he was hurt and he wasn't able to get kind of the food the way that he would normally be able to get to being injured the way that he was. And so he was looking for anything, any opportune, any opportunity, and that's what bears are. they're opportunists, they omnivores, they look for anything that they can eat. And uh, so we saw this bear and he started going the other direction, running away from us. And my friend that was there, I'd forgotten that I had a call, a predator call around my neck. He says, man, use the predator call. Make the sound that will seduce him to get him to lure him in. So I started to make the sound of a wounded animal. Immediately, we saw this bear from about 750 yards immediately begin to run straight toward us. He didn't know we were there yet. He didn't know the trap had already been set. The snare was already there. And so as he got closer, he got within about 150 feet. It was game over. How did I seduce him? I knew exactly what he was looking for. And I used that in my favor. This is exactly how the enemy comes to us to tempt us. And it says here in verse 3, Then the devil said to him, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, what's the first thing he's doing there? He's going after his identity, the very thing that Father God had just spoken to him. Spoken over Jesus immediately. What did he say to Eve and Adam in the garden? Did God really say Did God really speak to you? Makes us question, are you really truly forgiven? Because temptation is nothing new, is it? It's nothing new to humankind. It's nothing new to us. We all face temptation. But Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our High Priest. The One who has faced every temptation... And allows us and gives us the strength and the grace to fight against those temptations. Reminding us who we are and whose we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We have been redeemed no matter what our past looks like. He has redeemed. He has washed us clean. And He comes to steal from us the inheritance that Jesus has given us. That He paid for by His blood. Why am I being so uh, animated and forceful right now? Because we have to remember. Because those things, our failings, our weaknesses, our sin, can come and slap us right in the face. And tell us you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be free. You'll never move ahead into the future. You'll never get beyond people's disappointment over our lives. And he says, no! I've healed you. I've set you free. You may not necessarily feel it right now. Jesus, 40 days of fasting at His weakest and most vulnerable place, He was not feeling it. And He had to be reminded. If you're the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him the kingdom of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said, I'll give you the glory of the kingdoms. I'm going to give you everything if you'll just bow down and worship me. For a bowl of soup, it reminds you of the tempting of Esau. If you just give me a bowl of soup, I'll give you my birthright. I'll give away my inheritance. For what? If you'll just bow down and worship Me, I'll give you everything. Giving up. Giving up for a moment of pleasure. Then the devil took Him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are... And then again, He goes after His identity again. If you're the Son of God, jump off. And then He's going to distort Scripture He's going to take Psalm 91, which is meant for something for the saints, and He's going to try and apply it to Him. First of all, Jesus, God, doesn't take directions from the devil. If you're the Son of God and He orders His angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scripture also says, Do not test the Lord your God. Three different times, three different temptations, and it's believed that there were more. But these three encompass everything that what James talks about in First John, or excuse me, what John talks about in First John chapter two. The uh, it's worth going there real quick. He says, "Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers to you." Verse fifteen. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust of everything that we see, and the pride of life or the pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They're not from this evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything that it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Right before that, he says this, John is writing to this church of Ephesus and he says, "If you have ri- I have written to you, you are young because you are strong with God's Word living in your hearts. And you have won your battle with Satan. Booyah. I'm writing to you because you're strong. Why are you strong? Because God's Word is living in your hearts and you have won your battle with Satan. Three different temptations that we will all face. Adam and Eve faced them in the garden. The children of Israel were tempted with those things. We're all gonna face these three categories at one point in time. Jesus responds each time with the Word of God. Three times from the book of Deuteronomy. Think Jesus knew the Scripture? Is it enough just to just quote a verse? Because the truth will set you free, right? Remember, you're supposed to say, I'm not falling for that one. Is it the truth that sets us free? Or does Jesus say, abiding in the truth, living the truth out in your life will set you free? That's what He says. Owning it. Living it. Yeah, the three categories uh, are the... Excuse me, grab it real quick. The lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and the pride of life or our possessions. That's 1 John 2, verse 16. He's going to go right from here as we wrap up here today. And He's going to come out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes in led and filled by the Holy Spirit. He comes out, returns from the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And He is going to... We don't have time to get into all the various things here this morning. But He's going to go straight into... uh, Teaching and preaching, he's going to stand up, and we've looked at this Scripture before, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to preach good news. He's opening up the scroll of Isaiah. He turns exactly, he knows them, he's been studying them. He's got the Word of God. He's been living it out. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We all need to ask the question, why at that point? Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon you? Why is the Holy Spirit on you? It reminds us of First Corinthians or excuse me, Acts chapter one, verse eight. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you in what? In power, and you will be my witnesses here in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit was coming upon them for a purpose. Holy Spirit is not that not that Jesus wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was anointed for a special purpose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. The Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. Captives to what? Captives to their own desires. Captives to sin. Captives to, uh, to, to these seductions, to these sounds. When we hear those sounds, when we hear those temptations, He says, I've come to set you free from those things. From the bondage, from giving in to those things. Releasing us from relationships that are not of Him. Healing us from relationships that have been devastating. And the blind will see. And the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus Himself, He is the timing of God's favor. We can all rejoice because God's favor has come. And they all stared at Him intently, it says in verse 20. May we be a congregation, a people, individuals, whose eyes are fixed on Jesus Fixed on Jesus. Fixed on His Word as He read out of His own Word. He is the Word. That as we engage the Word of God, facing temptations that, we, that may come across our path, whatever those things are, would you stand with me? I want to pray over you and, and, just, and bless you today. Lord, thank You for the work that You started this morning. Something special, something new. We declare this is a new year. Not just because it's a new calendar, but because it's a new season. Lord, I just release gratefulness and thankfulness for God's faithfulness to us. May every single one of us depart from this place with a renewed sense of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead us. Where do You want us to go? Where are You leading us in our minds? Where are You leading us in our hearts? Where are You leading us in our emotions? Lead us. Lead us. Lead us. us. May we have the ability to recognize to fight the good fight against temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, those who are facing temptation right now. Big temptation in their life. Holy Spirit, would You come comfort them with the beauty of conviction? Strengthen them in the power of You. Strengthen them with accountability and help in their lives from other brothers and sisters around them. Jesus, we come and we break in, the, in Your name generational strongholds. You faced every temptation. You, you went all the way back to the line of Adam and You broke off curses left and right throughout that genealogy. We're asking that You would go back in our family lines. You would break off those strongholds so that we're able to go forward. Oppression, we break it off. Unbelief, we break it off. Fears, we break it off. You faced every temptation as a man and You overcame. Set captives free. Open blind eyes. Thank You. Remind us of our identity, who we are, and whose we are. In Jesus' name, Amen.